but we can no we can no more grasp love, it seems to me, than we can grasp God. And if we could, we would bottle it and sell it, you know. But it is always something that's uh, that's its face changes. Hello, and welcome to Chat CTK, a podcast exploring life and faith at Christ the King Catholic Church in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, John Stotts, Director of Adult Faith Formation here at CTK. In Episode 8, I am joined once again by Father Dexter Brewer, Pastor of Christ the King Catholic Church, to discuss the upcoming Sunday Gospel. We talk about what it means to love God, why loving our neighbor is an integral part of this, and how we know and we have successfully fulfilled the two greatest commandments. It's been some weeks since we've uh, had the opportunity to sit down and reflect on the gospel. So thanks for, for coming back. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to start with last week, actually. I was at the 6 p.m. Mass and was was quite moved by your homily. You talked at length about the image of God uh, in the context of the gospel, which is about the attempts of the Pharisees and the Herodians to trap Jesus and producing a coin with the image of Caesar. And you talked about how they're not, and, and please correct me if, I, if I'm wrong, but there aren't parts of us or there aren't parts of us that belong to God and parts of us that belong to others, um, though we owe different people different aspects of ourselves. In some sense, all of us is made in the image of God. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's, do you know, I was, I was uh, I think I mentioned it, I was at a football game and I was, <clears throat> one of my friends brought his grandkids to our gathering and as they filed in, they all looked like John, you know. Mm. And I've known John since we were in law school back in 1979, you know. So, so to see these little ones walk in, I knew, ex- I knew exactly to whom they belonged, you know, because they had his image. Their face had his face, and uh, uh, and it just occurred to me that that we that we can tell who belongs to whom because of the image that we bear, and uh, um, and as you were saying that that, that image, I mean, it's not split. I mean, mm-hmm. that we are not split as people. We that that seal on us, which signs that we belong to someone. Um, Means that all of us, it seems, to be belongs, to, you know, not just part of the grandchild. Or, mm. um, you can see it in, in married spouses, you know, right? Their faces and all, right? And, and beginning to use similar turns of phrase, and right. and right, right. So we would expect that as we grow closer to God, I suppose, uh, we become to resemble God more clearly, just like spouses who live together over a period of time. I, I would think that's right. right. Um, and yet, everyone also it would seem has their own distinctive way of doing this so that as each of us grows into that image, what it, what it looks like Dexter to be the image of God will not look like what it looks like John to be. And yet we're, we're all sort of growing into that, um, which could only happen, I suppose, if God were infinite, which, which God is, (laughs) um, that we could all sort of infinitely, you know, that the perfect human is just one facet of, of, you know, put them all together, and we still wouldn't quite make up what it means to be God. I often uh, imagine. I maybe I've said this before, but you know, God is that that collage of, uh, of faces. You mm-hmm. know, from a distance, it's a face. When you get close to it, you realize that it's made of 
hundred million faces. Right. You know. Right. Um, yeah. So this week uh, we see another attempt to publicly discredit Jesus, um, and maybe it'll be the occasion to talk a little bit more about what it means to be to be in God's image and what Jesus expects of us. Uh, would you mind reading the, the gospel sure. reading? This is a gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you're a lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. You practice law. Has anyone ever asked you what, what the most important law is, uh, you know, in a civil context? Or, or uh, would, this, would this question make any sense to common law practice? No, but, but I think if you, if you ask someone what, of our country, what's the greatest law? We'd have to say the Constitution, mm. right? I mean, that's kind of the foundation of all things. Yes. And against which everything is measured. So if it doesn't you know, measure up to the standards or whatever it is the Constitution requires, then, then it can be no law in our country. Yes. It's everything else. But other than that, no, I, no one's ever asked. But there's so many different parts of the law. So many right. kinds of you know, Right. Things. Well, even within the Constitution, if you had to pick one <laughs> aspect within the Constitution... Is there something within that oh that gosh. all other things should be measured according to? Oh, my word. I never thought of that. Uh, uh, you, you know, we have the Bill of Rights, and uh, but I don't know that that you could you could say that any one of them would be more important than the others. Do you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, the freedoms that we have. Right. Or the... Uh, the rights to privacy and all those things which are protected in, in some of the bills, some of the right those sections. Uh, so uh, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Well, I, I think about that in this context. You know, the there are 613 commandments in in the Jewish law. Um, so that, that's a lot to argue about if you're going to <laughs> if you're going say. to choose one to. And it's a similar conversation. Which one does all the others? hang on what's a what's our interpretive lens here um you know if private property is the most important thing for us and we interpret everything from um first amendment free speech principles to second amendment if we all interpret that in terms of protecting private property that gives us a very different kind of society um if the whole law is all about um, observing the sabbath or um, avoiding adultery that skews everything towards a certain a certain practice, and it could all be consistent, but also it would be a very different way of life than maybe. Right, right. Um, but here Jesus does give an answer, uh, but it's kind of a paradoxical one, right? It, it is, you know, but I, I I've often thought though uh, that they, you know, this question is posed to him, is put to him because because they don't believe that he's. That he's orthodox. 
And I say that because, because his answer is one that surely they would have, ex would have expected of almost any good Jew, um, because this is, you know, this is something that they recite every morning, every evening. I mean, it's, it's a part of their life. The Lord your God is one. You, you, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart soul, and mind, and, and on and on and on. So I'm not sure what they were expecting of him, except that if he weren't Orthodox, or if he wasn't like them, then, uh, then he would say something else. But he clearly shows that he's, uh, he, you know, he knows the law, but he knows what's what. Right. And, you know, what's in first place, you know. Right. Uh, and, and as a statement of personal principle. Yes. You know, what is important That's to right. him. him. Because That's we right. could all have a different perspective on what's, what's most important for me to practice right now. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But Jesus clearly says that for him, the most important thing is to love God and also to to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, now in Luke, this gets followed up immediately with the parable of the Good Samaritan because the Pharisees come back and ask, who's my, who's neighbor? my neighbor? But yeah. but Matthew doesn't have that. Instead, um, Jesus is going to turn around and, and silence them with his own question, which we don't read about here. But you, know, you said something that, that's really important. He answers, I think he answers this question from the point of view of what he believes. I mean, what, what, what directs his, his own life, mm. you know, this is what he, he does. I mean, if he were, if he saw this as some sort of test and he was trying to guess kind of what, you know, what they, what the answer was or what he thought they thought the answer was, uh, uh, he may have, I don't know. I mean, even if he came up with the same answer, it would seem, it would be, to me, it would be strange. But when I, when I answer based on, uh, Kind of what it is that I believe, what I feel. Yeah. Uh, then, no matter what anyone says, I mean, this is where I'm grounded, and I think that this answer says, uh, this is what he's grounded in. Yes. The love of God, with heart, soul, and mind, and that's what he. That's the way he lives, and so. Uh, even if there were another answer, right? This is his answer. I was and speaking. I was speaking recently with a, a colleague. Um, who's helped me in a number of ways, putting together small group opportunities, uh, Stacy Rakasalva. We were talking about an exercise that I think we've each done in the past where um, you're asked to identify your values, you know, the things that you really care about, um, family, work, religion. And then you're asked to pull out your calendar and to pull out your bank account <laughs> and to show where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? And to see how well, your actual practice of what you pay attention to every day, what you work towards and where you spend your money lines up and, and sort of, it can be jarring sometimes to say, well, you know, my kids are the most important thing to me, but I never see them. Right, right. But, you know, and we have justifications and their reasons, but, but that's the beginning of sort of interpreting your own values and seeing, I know what I say is important. What does my life say is important. And here, I think Jesus is offering himself as an example you know, put me to the test. See if yeah. if what I am doing shows that what's important to me is loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and loving you. You know, loving right. loving all right. those around me, right. and that's a very different uh, metric, so to speak, than the one. Of course, you know, he will be ultimately measured against. You know, when he's when he's tried and convicted, which has to do with being a king, or you know, here it's very simple. 
Mm-hmm. He, he is loving God and, and mm-hmm. loving his neighbor. But it's, it's a hard thing to do, though. We, most of us don't, um, we don't, we don't answer from that depth. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 for us, life is, it's almost a kind of game where we're trying to satisfy um, people out there by finding the right answer to their questions rather than, rather than telling them what it is that's going on within. Sometimes that's too personal. You yeah. Know? Uh, and sometimes we don't know. And sometimes we're, 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 um, it may not even be there, you know. And so it, it is about kind of discerning, you know, what do you want to hear? Uh, let, me see, so, let me see if I can figure out what you want to hear. I'll, uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you that so, mm. that so that I sound good. Yeah. I mean, my answer sounds good. It sounds right. And, uh, uh, but to be able to, to say to someone, you know, this is what I believe. Um, there's, a, there's a scene in um, A Man for All Seasons at, uh, when um, St. Thomas More is talking with uh, Norfolk, I think, mm. and, and, there, and Norfolk says uh, something about uh, the Pope. And, uh, and St. Thomas More responds, I forget how he says, he said, I... He said, do you, I think Norfolk said, do you believe that? He says, yes, yes, I believe it. And then Thomas More says again, he, he said, no, I believe it. Mm. Do you know, I mean, he makes the point that, that this is you now a part of himself. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and I, I don't think we get there often enough. We're playing with things and answers outside ourselves rather than speaking from the depth of our being. Yeah, it's a way of maybe trying to take a shortcut um, well, or being or, religious, yeah. I mean, religious right. is all about answers and 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 and, and things, but but most of it's outside ourselves. Right. We're, we're moving around furniture and stuff, and and trying to look right or trying to sound right, but it doesn't connect hmm. somehow. Uh, for, for me, loving God means loving the most important thing, the most valuable that which is the most valuable thing that I can conceive. But as you point out, what if, what if I don't know what that is? Because none of us comes into this life knowing what the most valuable thing is. We're, we're bombarded with lots of claims on our attention. And it, it takes a lot of life to begin to sift through what's apparently valuable from what's really. But I think part of what it means to love God is to be willing to ask the question and to discard all the things that compete as the most valuable thing, um, saying, no, not, not this. There's something yet more valuable. Not this. There's something yet more valuable. And I'm not sure what we get at the end once we've sort of moved things, discarded them, not as being not important, but not the most valuable thing. But I think the quest, the desire to know what is it that, what is this God that is, somehow both the source of who I am, but also the end of what I'm supposed to be. We can't conceive of that. So sometimes we just say, well, uh, no more of this. Like, I'm just going to go work and I'm going to play and we're going to live life um, without any depth. I think it takes some courage to, to test the answers we're given by our parents, our friends, 
our society that says this is what's most important and and to ask is it so yeah this this commandment is uh um i was saying last sunday that the that jesus answer to the pharisees and the herodians uh at least to my mind wasn't very helpful Mm. you know i mean um because it leaves you trying to discern, you know, kind of what is Caesar's and what is God's. You know? um, and then similarly here, once he is, you know, kind of articulated the greatest commandment, which is to love God with your heart, mind, and soul. The question is, you know, well, how do you do that? Do you know, God can't be seen, hmm. uh, do you know, heard. Do you know, and, you know, God is, is and... Uh, um, so, we, so we we all know we know the commandment. They know the commandment, but you're still left, it seems to me, with the problem of what does it mean to love God hmm. uh, with your heart, mind, and soul. And I think that's why he's added the second part, um, which of course is not original to him, right? Think, but um, but that somehow uh, one of the ways that we can see. Something of our love for God is by our, our interactions with those who, who bear the image of God. Right. You know, our neighbor. Right. You know. I remember sitting in on a uh, a centering prayer workshop some years ago, and someone asked, you know, I've been practicing for some time, you know, this method of contemplative prayer. How do I know when I'm getting anywhere? <laughs> and, <laughs> and one response that this person received uh, that I don't think she liked very much was, um, well, what does your family think? You know, how, how are you with them? How, um, you know, I think she wanted something different than how is it impacting your relationship with other people? Right. But I think if our prayer or any of the religious stuff, if it doesn't have something of a tangible benefit on our ability to be more patient, to to be um, to create space for others to listen, then I'm not sure we're actually in communion with God. Mm. You know, I'm not sure we're, we're growing into God's image, who's always sort of endlessly patient and creating space for others. Right. And But the curious thing is that that you may never know. I mean, right. it, it is, it is, the, it's a good question. You know, what, what, are your, what does your community think? What do the people around you think? Do you right. know? And they can see a transformation in you that I may not be aware of, uh, it was like um, uh, that scene from The Wizard of Oz where, mm. you know, so the heart is not measured by, by how much you love, but how much you love by others. Yes. I mean, that, that is, they see something in you that you can't see, uh, and they're responding to it. So everything's changing because of you, or because of something that in you that you're not aware of. And so centering prayer does transform you, but I may not know it. Right. But my environment knows it, right? You know, and even the question, you know, it's good to check in from time to time, but there can be sort of a self obsessiveness that accompanies religious practice uh-huh. of checking in. How uh-huh. am I doing? Looking right. in the mirror, spiritually speaking, and saying, you know, am I am I losing some spiritual pounds? Am I gaining some <laughs> spiritual? You know, and it, it, it's all about me. But here we get, you know, don't if you're loving your neighbor as yourself. To my mind, you're looking at your neighbor. You're, you're caring for your neighbor, not not for yourself, or at least not um, not to the exclusion of of either. Yeah, but for people who 
like the Pharisees, and and I think I made the point that not all of them were like this. You know, sure. I mean, they they they're known they were known for knowing the law, and knowing precisely, you know, and and arguing about it and kind of trying to figure out what it is that God was asking of them through mm-hmm. the law. Um, but people who were so focused on the law, uh, in an ordinary kind of way, uh, this might come as um, And this may be uncomfortable to them, I think. Hmm. You know, um, because yeah, lawyer, lawyers pride themselves. I mean, they, they what they want is something that's fairly clear, uh, so they can understand it and they can execute it. You know, there's nothing worse than a law that's that's overly broad or that's hmm. you know that that. That you can't get your your head around, you know, uh, and so for lawyers and Pharisees, I, I would think that this would make them very uncomfortable, because loving God, will, even though they know the they know this rule, um, um, and uh, and the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, they know that as well. It just seems to me that neither of those is so so concrete, so spelled out. That they can say, okay, now this is it. We, I know it when I see it, hmm. uh, and that's what lawyers want. That's what religious people want too. Yes, you know, you're not doing this because you know this is what it says, and you're not doing that, uh, and therefore you're wrong and you're sinful, and you know, and on and on. So I, uh, I think that's a right. Following this seems to demand. A relinquishing of control yes. over judgment, because how am I to know if I'm loving God with my whole heart? Uh-huh. Like, how can I possibly? I don't even know what God is. How right. can I know? And I don't. I'm not even sure what my heart is. I'm still. And so, and so the question: do, do we even know what love is? Right, right. And right. and who determines whether I'm loving my neighbor? Is it me or is it my neighbor? You know, right. at the end of the day, my ability to love my neighbor kind of depends on whether they have experienced my love. If I give them something. And they don't like it, and I just say, "Well, that—that's how I love you." Right? You know that—that that doesn't work very <laughs> no, well. No, it doesn't no, work no. in relationships. You know, it, there, it, there is a great scene, and I, I maybe brought this up before, but hmm. from uh, Fiddle on the Roof, you know, with mm-hmm. Tevi and Golda. Mm-hmm. You know, they after twenty-five years have been married, and I bring it up a lot in marriages. Sure. So if anyone's listening to this, and I, I was there at my wedding, a wedding that I presided over, uh, they'll remember this. But uh, but after twenty-five years, he turns to her and he says, "Do you love me?" And she doesn't know what that is. You know, they, they were matched by a matchmaker, and uh, uh, and she's uncomfortable with, even with the with the conversation because love is one of those things that that's just hmm. you know how do you you know do you know what, I mean? what does right. it look like? And right. so finally, after he asks three times, he says she simply looks at her life. She looks at their life together, and she says, "This is what we've been through." Yeah, and uh, you know, with the kids, and and we haven't had this, and we we've struggled with these things, and. Uh, but I'm still here. Yeah. And then he asks, so then you love me? And she says, I suppose I do. Yes. But based on, on what I've seen, you know, and, and our, you know, the struggles and, and, and the fact that we, we moved through it and have stayed through it. And he says, and I suppose I love you too. After 25 years, my bet is his. Right. If right. that's not love, what, what is, is right, right. then you love me? Right. Yes. Right. I suppose I do, she says. 
then I suppose I love you too. Yeah. That's uh but 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 we can no we can no more grasp love, it seems to me, than we can grasp God. Hmm. And if we could, we would bottle it and sell it. Right. You know? Right. Um, um but it is always something that's uh that's its face changes. You know, I mean, what you may need for love in love for me, what your spouse needs, yeah, you know, they're all different things and and sometimes with your kids it may seem harsh. And yet, to protect them and save them from danger, uh, it may not on the, on the surface look like love, but it is. Right, it is love. Do you know? Right. So you, it, it's it's a difficult thing to. And it would seem that we can't. We can only have one God. You know, we can't love God and Mammon, as as Jesus says elsewhere in this gospel. That is, to some extent we can either make up our minds that our life is about learning how to love God and love our neighbor. And we will do what enables us to do that as we learn and grow. But when we decide that life is about something else and we try to just fit love of God into neighbor into that thing, I think it always suffers. Mm -hmm. It always loses. If the most important thing for me is bottling up something and selling it. um, And I'll try to do some love on the side (laughs) <laughs> inevitably I'll find that, that I'm not very skillful because I'm not paying attention to, um, and love demands that we pay attention to the object of our love, that we learn from the object of our love, just what it means. Just like a gardener needs to pay attention to how the flowers are doing. If she wants to figure out how to love them, she can't just follow a manual. She can't just follow the instructions. It's, it's this craft. And so I see this as being, On the one hand, it is a very general commandment. On the other hand, with respect to our actual lives, it's very specific. Who is my neighbor? The guy right there. It's not not the person on the other side of the globe. In most cases, it's not. it It is the person that I encounter every day. And and the task is to learn how to love that person. And I don't get to say, well, I'd I'd rather love someone else. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go somewhere else and learn to to love someone else. No, it's it's the person right in front of me. That's God. I think too about the end of this gospel, uh, one of the final parables, which I think we'll probably hear the the parable of the sheep and the goats. That's the last of the other year, right? Um, where Jesus, you know, come, the Son of Man comes and assembles all the nations. Uh, and on his right, there are sheep, and on the left, there are goats. Um, but do you remember what's what's funny about the the people who who turn out to be the sheep? You know, they ask. Well, well, well. What I love about that story is that um, on both the sheep, both sheep and goats, are unaware uh, right. of their of what what they've done when they've got it right and when they got it wrong. Okay, um, so the when they're separated, the the sheep are put on, on uh, sent off to eternal life because uh, they fed the hungry, you know, visit the sick, did those things, which um, and uh, and in doing that, they um, attended to the needs of the Lord Himself, hmm. and they asked, but when. When do we do this? You know, they, uh, what I, they, they, it's almost as if 
they simply they simply acted uh, based on the fact that the, the one in front of them was like them, you know. Yeah, uh, and without any other reason other than you're human, you know. Uh, no, no need for reward or any of those things, because uh, and and, so, and anyway, so they and and doing so they get it right. And the goats, at least my reading of it suggests that if they had known that in serving you know the little ones they would be serving the Lord, they would have done it. Mm. But they didn't see the little ones as one like them, and so they they missed. Boat, as it were, right, uh, right. So they were looking for reward, right, where the others were just being human and trying to, to be fully human. And the way that we do that is by um, engaging a neighbor, you know. So I guess, in a way, if we don't know how to love God in the way that involves our heart, soul, and mind, the obvious place to start is to look around and, and to find someone. Or something to, to love and to right. take care of. I, I think that's the only way we can do that. Right. Um, and since, as we were saying, we all bear the very image of God, you know, mm-hmm. the divine image, because we are made in God's image, then that's a great place to start. Yeah. You know? And if there's something more to it, then God will let us know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for the chat. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Chat CTK, a new podcast exploring life and faith at Christ the King Catholic Church. Future episodes will feature interviews with CTK parishioners, staff, and clergy about their experiences of God, Catholicism, and faith in everyday life. Our gratitude to parishioner Brian Steinberg for graciously using this time to edit and process this podcast. You can find new episodes at our website, ctk.org slash chatctk. Or you can subscribe to the podcast using Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app.